Welcome back to the Just Josh and Show. This week we're joined by Davinda Sangera, aka Spot the Dave. She's talking about how she found her why, what she's passionate about, the headaches of HMOs, and also a rather interesting story about an online stalker and how she dealt with it. I hope you enjoy this week's episode, and remember, we're just joshing. Okay, so hi guys, welcome back to the Just Joshing Show. This week we're joined by Davinda Singera, who's a property investor, social media extraordinaire. Um, so Davinda, on social media, kind of, we've got your name here as Spot the Dave. Tell us a little bit about that. <laughs> so it started off as a joke. Um, so my name's Davinda, which is a unisex name. Punjabi, most Punjabi names are. And how you can tell um, someone's uh, gender is the middle name. So all Sikh women will have Kaur as the middle name and Singh as the, for the four women and Singh is for men. So I'm Davinda Kaur Sangera. And um, I... So when I like when you have boys that are called Davinda, I had a friend in, in primary school that I then reconnected with when we were at secondary, we were at different secondary schools. And she started calling me Dave because she knew some guy Davinda's called Dave. And it just it spread. It spread like wildfire. Like she didn't even go to my school and people in my yeah. school started calling me at sixth form. I went to university. And then when people started abbreviating my name to like D or Dav, I'd be like, no, 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 it's Dave. If you have to be lazy, <laughs> if you have to abbreviate it, it's Dave. And so that's basically how it happened. Um, you know, my cousins call me Div, which I hate because it sounds like Divhead. But when I have other cousins who follow me on social media are not part of like my, my close cousins crew and they call me Dave, I'm like, that's really weird. Like this cousin <laughs> on my dad's side is calling me Dave, you know, when all of my other cousins call me Div. So yeah, I think like, you know, we just, it's just human nature to want to, um, change like shorter names so Dave yeah. stuck that's been there since I was like 13 14 years old and then when I went to Brazil in 2015 so I'm like in my 20s now um I speak Spanish but I, I don't speak Portuguese but in Brazil a lot of them speak Spanish or they can get but we could have a conversation when they were speaking like you know Portuguese and I was speaking Spanish and my friend was like it's like spot the day like where are you you just mingle with them and we're at carnival she's like I can't find you you just mingle with them and like you just get lost and I, there's a photo I took at the beach with like hashtag spot the Dave and you know Instagram was a thing then in 2015 yeah. but probably not because it is now and there's like a photo of me lying on this beach and that was the first time that spot the Dave was coined and then I think two years later I changed my Instagram handle to like Divinda 10 to spot the Dave. And then I was like, right, I'm like monetizing on this and you know, yeah. like just made it into my brand. And I actually, it was a calculated decision. When I, when I left banking in 2000, it was end of 2016, but I officially left in 2000, February, 2017. I remember thinking my, a brand. And I remember thinking what I wanted to like to be. And I remember thinking three things and I, and I followed this account called Mum I'm Fine. I discovered him. It's this young guy, probably the same age as me. And he'd gone viral by putting Mum I'm Fine things. And he was all about travel. You know, I'd been to about 50 countries by then. And I'm like, oh, okay. I'm a bit travelly. So I thought I wanted to be travel, like social good. Um, and I can't even remember the third thing. It wasn't property. It wasn't business. Yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't doing property then. So it was like travel, social good. Um, Cause I, I was going to like, I had a job interview in Tanzania um, for an NGO. And there was a third thing. And I remember writing this down and being like, this is what Spot the Dave is going to be. 
Um, and I got like a fleece with Spot the Dave on the back yeah. um, and a hat with Spot the Dave, which goes missing all the time. Um, and then people like friends give it to me because they're like, you left it, you know, at my apartment on a drunken night out. I'm like, okay, thanks. Um, and so that was it. That's what Spot the Dave became. And it became the brand. And then obviously like in property where people are talking about brands. And obviously, as we know, like Ted has done like loads of talks and he talks about branding. And I was already doing it before thinking about it being property. I was like, well, what do I want my a brand to be and I remember like the first thing I've ever had it's upstairs I got my mum I got this gold lettering and I got my mum to um so spot the Dave on the back of this black back black pillowcase and it was on the back of a pillowcase because the other side was gold sequins and I love gold so yeah. my branding was always going to be gold um and so that's where spot the Dave kind of like kind of transformed into Dave from a nickname to spot the Dave to a brand to then using it in property and then like yeah just having things that said spot the Dave on them. Yes it's, it's kind of really evolved over the years to be in your personal brand now several thousand followers do you think having that personal brand even kind of unintentional to start with has helped in the property in your property journey and kind of getting investors and that kind of thing? Um maybe not getting investors but I think the name definitely because it's easy it's not like Davinda Sangera um you know like not like Joshua Tarby is a, a handful anyway but Spot the Dave is quite fun you know people go oh it's like Spot the Dog or something and I don't even know what that was like okay but it's so easy and then I remember my nephew seeing my hat and he's like I want Spot the Elliot and my niece was like you know, I want Spot the Haley, and I'm like, yes, that's exactly what it is. Like, it's your yeah. personal brand. And I remember, like, you know, he's a good 20 years younger than me. He must have been like, I don't know, 10 at the time, or even younger, or like nine. And he was like, yeah, I want Spot the Elliot. Get me Spot the Elliot. That's my brand. I'm Spot the. And I'm like, yes, that's exactly what it is. You know, you're your own brand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Kind of getting your own brand and just making sure that you're brandable, investable, people can relate to you. It's definitely important to get that right, isn't it? Definitely. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned you used to work in finance, traveled a lot, kind of how did you actually get into property? Yeah. So by accident, really, I would say. Um, so my, my granddad, my grandparents, who are like my biggest inspirations, um, I put them a lot on social media and I think like a lot, a lot of people warm up to them as well. Um, they, they have like they've lived a really good life they both worked at British Airways for 27 and 32 years and they travel prolifically like you can't keep them still even now like they've got vaccinated and they're like you know my granddad will be like oh we missed out on going to Bulgaria last year because of Covid and I didn't get to go to India again and you know that's what he talks about that's what yeah. they talk about and that's what our conversations around the dinner table are and they have property you know, and I've always known this. I've never been, I've, I've been to them once, um, but I, I was always aware because I knew my granddad was like, oh, I've got to sort out the gutters or this is happening. And I'd, I'd hear it in the family home. Um, but I've never been involved. Even now, I don't get involved with his properties and he doesn't get involved with mine. Like he runs his business and, you know, I run mine. It's so funny because I was telling a friend this who helps her dad and she's like, you've never been to your granddad's properties? I was like, I think once. I went and he just asked me to come along and I was doing nothing so yeah um but no we're like really independent so my my grandparents being really independent have their own kind of life and they travel a lot and they have property and I was like oh everyone does property and you always hear about it Indian uncles and Indian aunts you know in the family or this person's got this many houses and you think oh well it's allowed them to lead a life that I quite want to lead like 
quite aspire yeah. to be like that. So I, was, I aspired to be like my grandparents. Um, and I think that was it. So um, when I was in banking and I realized, you know, the grass isn't greener on the other side. Um, and I think also like when, when I was at university, um, getting to, and this was like, you know, pre-crash. So I, I went to university in 2006 and graduated in 2009. So everyone in my year group was like, you know, investments and finance and Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley. And, you know, I was amazing at doing these numerical reasoning tests, awful at the verbal reasoning tests. And my mates used to get me to do their verbal numerical <laughs> reasoning tests so that they could, they could get, and I'd get, in, you know, and I'd always done it. Like I'd, I'd won maths awards and been a mathlete at school. So I was really good at the numerical reasoning. And so, I would apply for these jobs um, and then just kind of fell in, like, it just seemed like the natural course because everyone was doing it. Everyone was applying yeah, for yeah. finance, banking. I applied for the big four. I got an internship with the big four. I had the graduate job offer lined up with the big four. I didn't get it because I got a two, two in my maths degree. Um, I didn't say the right things to the senior partner in the, because um, I went for lunch with him. Um, and, you know, and I remember thinking, oh, I should have, shouldn't have said that, I should have said this, but it is what it is. And, you know, my path took me down the banking route because that was what I thought I was, you know, that was like the top echelon of someone from my background, from a working class immigrant background where I qualified for free school meals and I got 30 pound EMA when I was at doing my A-levels could aspire to, like that was the top, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then actually when I was in banking and, you know, I spent a year in New York and then I came back and I ended up on the trading floor. Like everyone aspires to be on the trading floor. Like there's banking and then there's the front office, right? And I'm like, oh my God, I'm here. And then I wasn't a trader, I was on the an analytic, I was an analyst, I was an, on the analytical team of a trading desk of the libel setting desk libel setting desk and also the treasury desk and so and then i got moved to the trading team and i was a trader and i'm like wow i've i've accomplished <laughs> it all i've got there you know like yeah. that's it i've got there i've got to, and then it was like is this it this is the top <laughs> <laughs> you know like this is wolf of wall street this is what people aspire to like no you can't be telling me this is it and i was like this is so rubbish this is so shit and so when i was there i was like right i need to get out because this is not it this is not life and this is not what you aspire to be and so i just didn't want to work you know 10 11 hours a day behind six computers five I had five computer screens and honest to be honest with you Joshua I just didn't get it I wasn't very good I mean I must have been good because I survived for like five years but I put the way that I feel in property and the way that I just get it and the way that I can um like take things that are being said by people whether it's the government or in, things in the budget or you know an announcement comes out and I will consume that data and I will make the decision and I have that foresight and I won't even need to ask or speak to five brokers or five solicitors I'll just I'll just have this like opinion in my head and then it will transpire three three months later that I was right to have made that choice or to have that calculated opinion and so for example it's like one basic example is when um the government came out with that you could put your um you could put your mortgages on hold for three months yeah it sounded like a brilliant idea and I was like why would any investor do this if you're buying do not do this like you know and I was like and I'm, I'm consuming all the things and I was like no investor should be doing this but obviously like I'm a little bit unconfident because I don't really know and some brokers were saying to everyone okay you should do this and I'm like no I am refinancing with the same lenders it's basically like me going to somebody saying hey I can't pay the interest on the loan that you've given me, but how about you give me another 220,000 pound loan? 
you know like it just didn't make sense and I broke it down I'm like if I went to my dad or I went to my best friend and I said look can we put our interest payments on hold but give me another like 50 quid why would they do that and it just didn't make sense and then it transpired that investors shouldn't have done it they shot themselves in the yeah. foot and and I was like of course like what India wouldn't have thought this but not but honestly Joshua like as I've lived my life and even certain things have happened like socially nobody has the ability to forward plan the way that I think on a macro scale I never think micro always think macro and this is one of you know we quickly talked about this this is why I don't mentor or sell another service because I'm always thinking of the macro and if I did the small micro things that might help me in the in the short term you know I might get I might earn 20 grand I might earn 100 grand you know and I have I've earned over six figures from project managing and sourcing, but it's not my truth. And it just, it distracted me from my bigger goals and it stopped me from doing the thing. So I might've made the six figures and something else, but I didn't make the seven figures elsewhere, you know? And unless it's your truth, unless you're passionate about education, you're passionate about mentoring and you're passionate about online platform and running HMO courses, do it. And if it's your passion, if you're doing it for the six figures, You've lost, you're, you're losing out on somewhere because there's somewhere that is your truth, that is your passion that's lacking. And those will be the seven and the eight, and I pro like probably the eight figures that people will lose out on. And that's why I'm always thinking macro. And I don't, I don't go for those little like, you know, short wins because I'm always thinking of the big macro things. Yeah, it's so easy for people to get distracted. So you mentioned kind of only doing things you're passionate about. So what, what is your passion? Yeah, so a big thing that I've always been thinking about is like sustainability. So before I went into banking, um, because I graduated in 2009 and it was like the crash and I got my job taken away from me, um, my, my graduate job that was lined up with Deloitte, um, there were like a lot of things that were going on that was open to graduates. So you had to like tick some boxes and, and I ticked all of them. You know, you have to be from a low income family, be, I think being like, I don't know, an ethnic minority, probably a woman or something. I ticked every box, right? Um, and um, yeah, I had like, or maybe have had like a full student loan um, was probably one of the criteria. So I went on to Rally International in 2010, um, which is basically like you go for 10 weeks and you have three things that you do an environmental um, kind of section, um, an adventurous section, and a community section. Um, and it's quite a prestigious like charity, I would say, that pairs up with. It kind of like volunteerism. Um, I think Kate Middleton and both Prince William did rally in their respective gap years before they'd met each other, before they went into university, university. And so I went into Rally International and that like blew my brain because the community section, we lived with um, families in Nicaragua and they were really, really poor families. And I remember the, like thinking, I, I'm so lucky in my you know home. Like when you're in London, there's always somebody that's, and not even London, anywhere. There's always somebody that's smarter, faster, prettier, skinnier, more intelligent, more successful, got more likes on Instagram, got more followers, yeah. making more money than you, right? There's all, and you probably know it because you're an accountant and you see it, right? You see, probably see it with your clients as well. And you're like, damn it, you're making that much. Yeah. And I and I get it, right? And and I, I love what you do. And so I'm so excited that you asked me to be part of your podcast. But like, I'm sure you see it as well with other accountants and you see what others are doing and you see maybe what other creators are doing. And, you know, you have that creative element and and I think it's human nature to compare and so um with like when I was in um Nicaragua like I realized like actually I should be grateful for those things and in London I'm always comparing but there's this whole world that are so happy with what they have and they don't even have a they don't even have a bathroom you know they shower outside and the, the kids sit on the floor 
um, sorry, the kids sit on the floor, uh, sleep on the beds. Um, and like, I was so humbled by this. And, you know, when you start reading into the stats, more of the world live like that than we do, right? Yeah. Than, than we live. And although it took me, even though I'm Indian and I would go to India and I would see poverty, even though it took me like out of when I was 22 to go to, you know, like Nicaragua and Costa Rica to realize this, like, in my head, it's always been doing something like sustainable or in community. So when I wanted to leave banking, that's all I was thinking about. And it was like international development. I want to make an imprint on international development, whatever that could be, right? And that could be like sanit like um, sanitation in the, um, it could be sanitation in like, uh, whatever, like um, in villages that don't have water sanitation, or it could be providing like healthcare to women that don't have it or education to kids that don't have um, the ability of education or bringing water or services into an area because as we know in England, we're connected to everything with electricity yeah. and stuff. So um, yeah, so basically like, I just thought of these things. And I thought this is what I want to spend my time, energy and resources on. And although I'm still not doing it now because I've been caught down the property rabbit hole, it's still something I think about, you know, and if I think break it down into a smaller scale, when I think about sustainability, it's like plastic and waste. I think about waste management so much, I can't even begin to tell you because I think when you realize that as civilization, we evolved as humans, when we stopped basically pooing where we eat is where we separated disease. And that, and if you look at society and how it's evolved, it's when we stopped doing that. And even like, if you think in London, like when there was disease and people used to throw their stuff out the window and the river Thames was overflowing of gunk, like the, our ability, our, our place as humans to like really increases in civilization is when we stopped doing that. When we stopped what our basic needs, you know, what we, what animals do, if you look at what a dog does, your pet does, a, your goldfish do, they poo where they eat and that's what yeah. causes like the disease and we end up like dying from those so I think about waste management so much I can't even begin to tell you like sewers and everything and and then like when I take it back like and my, personally I think well how can I reduce that um so with like plastics and consuming less um single-use plastics or um, doing things in a more sustainable way um, and like you know being in the circular economy or just being more minimalistic and actually like being so grateful for the things that I do have that when I do go to those like and you know see those people that are living on so much more less than we are the suits and the Rolexes and the cars they don't matter and then when you've crashed cars like I have and written them off and you've lost every valuable thing or had it stolen like my MacBook um, from my car or um, mobile phones and you know crashed a car you realize that actually they're all materialistic things and if you have insurance you get it all back yeah. you know so, so as long as you have the insurances in place like it's fine and you know um when i like wrote off my car in april last year during like during a pandemic in lockdown um it just transpired that we ended up getting 10 grand 10 grand back um, because there were two insurances there was the insurance and there was the gap insurance now this was not planned you know like I do not advise anyone to do this <laughs> but it just, it just happened so I thought with that 10 grand I could go I could buy the 30 grand car which I did three years ago and pay pay you know like the monthly thing or I can buy a cheaper 10 grand car because I'm always hitting it and why didn't I just, and you know, I really, really want to buy a tester. I want to buy an electric car. I believe in that because again, that's about sustainability. Although it can be argued that the components that like are basically used for a Tesla, you know, contributes to so much carbon emissions. But I also like follow the vision that I think Elon Musk is going down. So that, that's what I transpired to. And I thought, okay, you could buy the Tesla now, 
and then you'd have to probably source and project manage or you can just get a cheaper car and just buy it outright and then just do what you want with your life and I just made that calculated choice you know and I think and if, if there's anything that I want to advocate from my social media or influence people to do it's literally like reuse your stuff don't buy expensive things stop following social media accounts of influencers where they're selling products you know and I nearly fell down that rabbit hole in 2017 when my like social media platform was growing a little bit it grew more because of the travel thing less on the property stuff I had a woman from America like send me clothes you know like say oh can you and sign a contract with me to put it on to put it on my um uh, like Instagram account and I did I signed her agreement and I got these clothes and I chose whatever I want and I remember thinking I don't want my friends to buy this not that I did you know even though so many people complimented me on the shorts or whatever it was I was like no I want my friends to save their money you know I want my friends to like come come to me and ask me about investments or what they should do or how they should and I do I regularly have a friend and I'll go look you need to like go get out of the your overdraft and we need to get into a zero percent credit card but you need to manage your debt and that's what I want to inspire my friends and like my little network to do not not to buy things you know I was in Dubai last month and to my friend I was like yeah I bought this in 2017 I bought this in 2016 I bought this three two years ago and I'm like honestly I'm so proud that I'm reusing my clothes and, and I will advocate it you know I've had three iPhones in the past 10 years um and I just have a thing where I want to make things last as long as possible I'm not the consumer type you know you'll never see me advocating things and when I did put up the story about my little scooter because I saw you have a scooter as well I felt a little bit like oh my god like and I and I I felt like I had to say it. I was like you'll never see me talking about materialistic things but I've got a scooter you know and and it's so exciting but I crashed it like who crashes a scooter but yeah anyway I digress so how did you end up crashing a scooter because I mean but you did you go for a pothole or was it a curb I was just going too fast, too furious for you, Josh. That's all you need. <laughs> <laughs> how, how, how fast does your scooter actually go? Because mine, I think it was 15 miles an hour. Yeah. Well, I was going at the top speed, probably. <laughs> I was on the pavement, but I was on a bit which has a cycle path um, on an A road. And because I couldn't go onto the road because I'd die because it's a, it's quite a fast A road. And even yeah. I cycle as well. And I, and I'm quite a confident cyclist and I cycle on the road, but I will never cycle on that road because the cars and the lorries, and they're just so fast. And like, after crashing the scooter, I have cycled and I think I've got a bit of fear and, you know, like I crashed the scooter and I crashed the car as well. Like honestly me and crashing. So I was cycling about a week after the crashing the scooter and I was going down this road, but honest like thing and the, and the car went past me and I just screamed and I was like, ah! and I'm like, okay, get off, go onto the cycle lane, <laughs> you know? So I think I've got the fear in me a little bit now because like I've crashed so many things. Um, I'm yet to crash a bike and have a horrific accident, but yeah, I basically totaled my scooter and even the guys at the scooter shop were like, oh my God, we've never seen this before. And I was like, yes, yeah, some pedestrians came. And they did, but some pedestrians came out in front of me um, and I swerved so I didn't crash out into them. It was like a blind opening where it looked like hedges. And there was like a basically a black metal pollard and I went straight into it because, and like that's what swiped and broke my scooter in half. Um, but yeah, frankly, you're fine. Scooter's all fixed now. So everything's as good as new. Yeah, I've got a little bruise at the front, which is still there. Like when I rub my thumb on my like lower belly, there's like a bit of a lump. So that's the only the remnant left. But yeah, and my shoulder, my elbow was like 
healing for ages, but it's okay now. And yeah, it, it cost me 90 pounds to get the scooter repaired, but I've not been on it since I've come back from Dubai. I don't know why. It's like here in my office as well. It's like right there. <laughs> yeah just been busy with hmos i guess yeah so yeah th th that follows on nicely so hmos is that is that your jam yes it has been um although you know like everything the grass isn't greener on the other side and the grass is never green the grass is never green it's brown and dirty <laughs> yeah. right it's brown and dirty everywhere um that's it you just got to learn to like basically sit in your own brown patch without <laughs> yeah. that green grass <laughs> um so yeah no hmos um i was drawn into hmos um in 2017 by my property mentor um and also coming to a calculated decision i bought one investment property which i bought a buy to let which is in wandsworth west london which i've had five years now five years like about a week ago that's my little baby um and the cash flow from that I saw, you know, I was doing these property education courses and they were talking about buy to lets plus 200 pounds. You know, some examples said plus 400 pounds. And I was like, I am not doing this. Um, but also because I bought my first property, um, which, you know, like was nearly half a million, just, you know, 50 grand short of half a million. And I remember thinking how, like, it took four months to come in the conveyancing and how like, you know, stressful it was. And, you know, I got builders and stuff and, and it was stressful because I was also working full time and I had a very stressful job, um, which then when you take that element away, there was a lot more time and headspace to do the property stuff. But I remember thinking, I'm not going through that one again for 200 pounds. If I'm going to go through that one headache, that conveyancing, it's going to be for the same cash flow that I've got. And that was my, that was my thought process of a calculated decision. And I just thought, okay, I have left banking now. I don't have that salary. Okay. I have, you know, the cash flow coming in from my Wandsworth property and that's in my personal name. So it's literally in my pocket. Um, and so I just thought, okay, I need to, my next goal, my, my next financial freedom goal should be to get my salary back from property as quickly as possible. And so that it just seemed HMOs were like the, the, kind of avenue to go down rather yeah. than buy but obviously what nobody talks about at the time is the amount of mental energy and headspace that it consumes and that hmos although they're cash flow positive and you know really cash flow positive it's also because it comes at the cost of it being say so if you have a four bed hmo it's four times a buy to let if you have a six bed hmo it's a six times um you know a buy to let not because six times the things go wrong but there's six times the traction of people so things just get weathered a lot more quickly um you know and i see that with you know with the amount of times like my friends are dealing with stuff as opposed to like me or you know and I've been quite transparent I've had rats in four well rats in two and mice in two so rodents in four of my properties which I've been told is a direct consequence because of covid but you know because I've had like one of my flats for five years and it's never had rodents so yeah and all of these things are quite taxing you know um and and they do they do get to me because I think I want to be a responsible landlord and I'm the sort of person that deals with things straight away. I yeah. literally lose my shit at my letting agent if they don't tell me things, if they don't send me a photo and a video. And I'm like, you know the stance, send me a photo and a video. Otherwise I'm not, and I've, I've sold 80% of problems by my letting agent sending me a photo and a video. And I'm like, gosh, if I could just educate you to do that so you don't need to you know, come to me, that would be amazing. But of course not everyone can be have the same you know vision or mindset as you so i guess if there's another divinda and i could like train them <laughs> <I guess laughs> that's what the next generation is there for right you see people yeah. with their kids, 
little divinders and I'll be educating them and teaching them <laughs> how to do it. <laughs> so all, all of your HMOs are with a letting agent? Yeah, yeah. So I'm um, very much like of being a passive investor. Um, and that's why probably why I hate HMOs because, <laughs> you know, this is my love-hate relationship with property um, because they're, they're not passive. So I think I was sold the dream of it being passive. And I think if I wasn't sold that dream, I wouldn't have had that. And I remember even for the first year, Joshua, I was like, oh yeah, like I barely work. I barely do anything. And the money just hits my bank account. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> I definitely made those comments. If there had been a podcast at the time, Davinda Singera of 2018 <laughs> said it. But frankly, you know, I only went on one podcast that year. <laughs> so, um, but no, um, it, yeah so they're not pass if you're sold a dream of passive it's not passive but I think if I'd been sold an accurate dream I would have had that understanding and that's why I'm kind of like look it is taxing and I think also before my in in my social media I used to show the glitzy magazines and one of my friends like like Hedge he said to me you know you show you show the highlight reel you never show the this and we talk privately and I'm like this went wrong that went wrong and I've had this builder and he's like oh you've been through so much why aren't you talking about this and, I, and it was like from a place of insecurity. And, and then I started seeing what he was doing. And then I just started sharing the pain. And as I started sharing the pain, people don't want the pain. They don't want the HMO. So they stopped copying me and they stopped being the copycat investors. And they and I've attracted investors that just want to lend me money passively. Yeah. And I've started attracting the right people by being real. Whereas before I was going through all the headache, but I wasn't talking about it. You know, you never saw me like, oh, Devinda's going through this drama. You know, you never saw me talking about the rats on the road. And I just thought it was part of like the business. And I think like I'm quite a resilient person um, and quite relentless. So I think like you just you just deal with stuff, you know, and, and yeah. as you know, you run a business and like as an accountant, like you're probably dealing with so much stuff and you're running a business that you forget that some of the things that you do day to day are actually really, really difficult. You know, and when you start talking about them, it's those people that are like really like looking up to you or like thinking, oh wow, Father Taxmas, he's well creative. And then you start talking about the things that you do daily, you know, you'll and you share your personality. And I saw you do it a little bit. Like that's when, you know, you start vibing with people on and that want that that want to like actually be involved with Joshua Tarby not JSM partners you know not the brand and yeah. like actually you and so and that started happening so when I started sharing the pain the investors started coming that, that only wanted passive returns rather than the copycat investors because Davinda was too busy sharing her numbers and the highlight reel and the glossy magazines and never talking about everything that went wrong yeah so kind of on social media now you kind of share it all um I saw I think it was one of your posts you did have some trouble on social media and it's not always gone to plan talk to me about that yeah so um yeah so I had a social media stalker um I've shared the story openly in a in a previous podcast um that I did with you that though and yeah like I it was something that happened well it started in 2014 maybe it's the summer of 2013 and then um it was just someone that like had found me on social media via via one of my best friends really um you know she's this beautiful beautiful woman um and so she gets a lot of a lot of attention on social media and she'd always had even before Facebook you know when it was high five and Bebo and we, we talked about this recently you know she was getting all those hits and she's she's such a beautiful and she's got such a kind heart as well so I can see the attraction and there was a photo of us and he he saw me but thought I was the corrupt one because I had this red hair and a lip piercing and you know there's photos of me and like you know they, they still are I'm not ashamed of that as Davinda in her 20s of me in like you know skimpier clothes and bikinis and stuff 
not that I would I would do that now but you know if I am wearing a bikini and I'm going to put a post I'm also not going to hide it you know so yeah. I think I'm just I was just being like I'm trying to be a bit more real rather than like just the you know the traveling and like skimpy bikinis and stuff and how skinny I was in like about four years ago um but so he'd re he'd kind of like got attracted to me well found me and it wasn't attraction then um but was hate and it started with hate and and then as he went down this rabbit hole and you know everything's on LinkedIn he was like oh you're not the corrupt one you're the intelligent one you're the one that did maths I went to you know everything that's on my LinkedIn I went to Royal Holloway and you know you've got a degree and you work in banking you've got to be the 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 the, the star one and then he's like it turned this this kind of hate turned into a factuation which turned into attraction which turned into like you know psychotic behavior and there was like a, a course of events that happened. And one of the, the last incriminating thing, um, he sent an 80 page letter to my family home. And I just, you know, I got scared and I told the police and I, and I always told the police, um, you know, I, I had them on speed dial, you know, I, I was on like, yeah. I was like, like Nicola, this has happened. Like I had their phone numbers to the point, like, even this to you actually, before we jumped on, I actually emailed her yesterday. <laughs> you know, I emailed her yesterday, showing her, sending her the podcast and the YouTube, thing and being like is it okay for me to share this like on my platforms um because I haven't done that yet and so I was on speed dial with the detective and I'd been and they were really lovely like I feel like I really did get a lot of support from the police um to be honest and so um the last thing that he did with the 80 page letter was so incriminating it put him into prison for six years and that's something that he did to himself you know so wow. it's something it's it's his actions. He did that to himself. He sent a letter that was threatening. He had substances in his house. And the last thing I didn't need to even go to court for, I was just being made aware of the things that were happening in the background. And they, the, the police had all the evidence that they needed and my statements and, and stuff. So, so yeah, so that's, that's been like a really like difficult thing to kind of process um, and like quite a traumatic event. And from that is one of the reasons why I didn't used to post on social media you know because I, I remember I was in property it was 2018 and I'd just come back from two of my HMOs my first two HMOs and I remember thinking first of all I kind of knew how he got my address um and as an accountant you can probably clock it as well and I thought oh I, I know how he has my address he'll know I have property, he'll come after me, you know, and, and like, you, you're so like, it's, it's like this innocent thing, or he'll come after my wealth, or he'll come after my HMOs, he'll know I've got this, and I think, like, I've heard stories in the family, and, you know, and they sit in your head where, you know, when, like, brothers and sisters, after a, a parent dies, like, start fighting in the family, and they start going after each other's wealth or something, so I had this in my head, and like, he's going to come after me, and he's going to come after my HMO, so I can't talk about what I'm doing, you know, so I had this kind of, like, love-hate relationship with social media, a part of me wanted to share my truth and what I was doing, but I was really scared, because I thought, it's only going to attract the negativity, because I'd only ever attracted negativity when I was, you know, putting things on social media, um, you know, apart from like, oh yeah, you look good, or fire emoji, rocket emoji, or whatever. You know? yeah. <laughs> when I was actually doing something of substance, of value, and not just you know traveling around and like, hey, look at me, in like a, a bikini, or look at how like you know skinny I am. Um, it was like when I was doing something of substance, it was I was scared to share it because I had this social media stalker. So I've got this love hate relationship with social media. Um, yeah, so. But is that, I suppose now that's kind of almost flipping as you kind of realize that, you know, there are downsides to social media and people need to be aware of that. Yeah. But 
you're trying to put the safeguards in place so you can kind of share stuff that's helpful to your business and you can share your truth but do it safely yeah yeah correct exactly um you know i've i've met a lot of people we've connected from social media i've connected with a lot of property people from social media and um who are now you know i would say my friends and um it's just an avenue to see what someone's like. And actually when you then connect with them and have a conversation, you then realize whether they're real or not. So definitely, but um, a thing that I think about a lot now as well, as well as the sustainability and the waste management, because I think about those things a lot <laughs> and property. Um, and the other thing I think about is now, as I'm like getting older and I'm in my thirties is like the next generation. And I think like this, this has happened to me how can I how can I make it better or how can I make sure that my kids don't have that you know and so I don't know what the answer is you know like do we stop our kids from having social media until they're 18 years old I don't think that's the right answer either but I think like I want you know I had a conversation with a friend and she said um there's a direct link when people when kids are lacking something that's when they go to social media you know those kids that are like YouTube superstars or whatever and it's the introverts or it's the ones that like actually have something lacking. Whereas if you, and she was like, as a parent, if I fill my kids with so much love and so much attention and keep them so busy with playing activities, they won't have time for TV and social yeah. media and stuff that they are filled. Their life is filled with so much things. And, you know, and I, like, I genuinely believe this. I genuinely, genuinely think this, you know, um, I filled my time and my days when I was at school um, by playing so much sports, I competed, I ran for my borough in, you know, for, for running for cross country. Um, and so, yeah, I think like I, I did those things and I, I love those things. And I want to make sure that my kids find out something that they're passionate about, whether it's running or playing an instrument or, you know, like a sport or something that, you know, like an activity that they can yeah. just be, be like really like thankful. And that's what I think about a lot. You know, I think I was doing circuits in Dubai and I was on the balcony and I was like, you know, what? I'm gonna make sure my kids do this with me. You know, I'll be doing the circuits and they'll be running around. And I've done it all throughout my twenties with my niece and nephew. When they've been round, we've gone out cycling and for walks and I'll take, and I'll come home to my family home. And I'm like, what are you guys doing? What have you been doing all day? And they're like watching TV. I'm like, no, come on, we're going to the park. Let's go. <laughs> you know, get, and I just think it's so good for kids to exert energy. But when they're like, as they've grown up and they're just watching these like YouTube people playing games, I'm like, you should be playing the games you know you should be yeah. riding a bike and you know doing all those things that obviously like well I definitely did as a kid I know you're a lot younger than me <laughs> <laughs> but yes yeah. yeah, so, so you know you, you've clearly kind of found your passion what tips do you have for other people I mean we don't know what they're passionate about they're kind of muddling through life what advice and tips do you have for them yeah so that's a really good question um I think people always you're always going to be attracted to the thing that you're interested in um wh whatever it is so I'm going to give a complete range of different things one of my best friends is amazing at cooking she's always been she's been cooking gourmet meals since she was a teenager and that's her truth that's her passion you know and so she set up like a little pre-covid um she started she set up like a, a cooking thing where she was selling like her food um at a market one of my other friends is amazing and is so into makeup right like just knows all about it like just, you know I spend like 200 pounds a year on skincare and makeup some of my friends spend into the grands right <laughs> like and I literally like my makeup bag is so tiny it's like it's hilarious and 
like the, the whereas one of my friends knows so much about makeup and one of my friends is really into clothes and like you know like likes that and I think like if you can find the thing that you're attracted to whatever it is like if it's someone playing a guitar you know if it's someone doing ballet or someone dancing then do find that truth if you're attracted to somebody you know like a lot of people in property will say um will say that oh look like I've been watching Homes Under the Hammer since I was this years old or I've got it from my dad I was never ever like that I've started watching Homes in the, Under the Hammer in my 30s you know <laughs> I've never been like this like I've never had that kind of but I love the creativity that it gives me I love the before and after and that's what I love you know I like I openly like I'll, I'll talk I, I don't want to build from the ground up I like I don't land doesn't excite me developments don't excite me I love the idea of renovating like a church or a pub or something with such historic significance something that was already there you know and that kind of falls with my sustainability values as well like yeah. it's like repurposing things I repurpose things all the time to the point where even like some property friends are like like they'll they'll share something and I'll put a comment they're like all you all you ever talk about is recycling like you repurpose everything you know she must have put and I was like oh yeah I'd frame those and put them in a frame and put them up in my HMO she's like oh my god like that's all you ever talk about and it's true that's all I think about is the thing that's in my head I want to repurpose you know I want to redesign we don't need to like throw things away we can um create like change them so I think for somebody like you'll know what your passion is right like whether it's cars or it's watches or whatever um ideally something that's not very very expensive <laughs> you know like like that clothes thing is probably going to like break the bank a bit if you're really into clothes or high-end watches and stuff um but yeah maybe there's a way you can make a business out of it so so follow your truth whatever that thing that you're reading about you know I read about climate change so much I watch like plastic programs so much waste management um you know like I, honestly so much it's, it's disgusting that's all like I'm reading when I'm going through stuff I don't even read um like property news or budget stuff because I know somebody is going to do a YouTube video and break it down for me or someone creative like you is going to you know consume the budget stuff yeah. in a way better a way more informed way so I'm following you I'm following the creatives I'm following like the Ranjan Bhattacharis and the and the property sisters and the Helen Chorley and Ruth who are coming out with these videos as soon as something happens because I want they're they're the ones that are like you know you're so hot onto it you consume the data first I will consume it secondary and as we know in property it's not like trading where I was in banking where I needed to know like when something happened I needed to know it then because it, it made a decision I can consume the knowledge a week later and I'd still be okay a month later three months later you know I need to consume the knowledge as and when I'm making a decision in my business which as we know in property it happens quite slowly so yeah I'm you know I don't I consume so such less property zoopla right move data because I'm not really that passionate about it, you know. I'm so much more passionate about like climate change, sustainability, like plastic, how I can make a difference in the world and how I can influence other people to make a difference in the world and the, the circular economy way more than property. I want the creatives like you <laughs> to consume it and then tell me and then I'll understand it in a in an easy way, you know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Kind of synthesize it and just give you the main points that you need to know. And then I'm sure people are interested in the kind of climate change and the eco stuff. That's that's exactly where you come into it. People that basically do what they're passionate about and then spread that with others. Yeah. So I think going back to your question, like what should, where should people start? Like just follow your passion, just do the thing and then try and see how you can make it into a business or how you can earn money from it. And in this age of internet, you know, like the internet of things, there is we you can earn like seven figures from yeah. just your passion. It's, it's, it's you literally never been passion. easier. Yeah. 
exactly and I I where I see people fail and where I've failed yeah and I've failed completely is where I've tried to follow what other people were doing because I thought that's what had to be done and then I've got really disgruntled by it and really like upset and it's like really you know weighed on on me on my mental health and you know I've just got miserable about it now one thing I think about a lot which I never used and it's weird that Devinder of 2021 thinks about this and um, which I never used to you know if Devinder of 2018 was like yeah money borrower and I still am a money borrower but I think I pay £30,000 a year just on interest to my angel investors. They are winning, you know, they're winning. So I'm like, that is going to be me. I want to I want to spend 30000 a year investing in either crypto or index funds, you know, even if it's not property, because as we know, in property, you need a bit more than £30,000 a year. So if I can just do that, that's what that's what I want to do. If I can use that interest to set up a sustainability business, you know, even if I have a five year goal and I break it down, OK, one year will be index funds, second year will be crypto, the third year will be a sustainability business, fourth and fifth, maybe I'll put it towards a property Who know, or I'll lend out the money and I'll earn the interest that my investors are, lend, are like, you know, getting from me. So. I'm a money borrower now, but I really, really do hope to be a money lender. And I, and I do talk about this quite a lot as well. Yeah, it, it, it all flows in at the end of the day. It's all, it's all connected, everything you're doing. So I suppose our, our last question on the show is, if you could send a text message to everyone in the world right now, what would it say? Wow. Gosh, <laughs> that's all. I'll definitely have to think about it. Like I think about a long, long worded one, but um, a quick one. Oh, I don't know. What would you say? What would you do? Uh, I don't, I'm not sure. I'm um, asking the question back to you at the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> you again, ask the question back. This is a really good question. I need to phone a friend, ask my people. This is like when I'm ordering, di- ordering like dinner. I'm like, I have to be the last person because I need to know what all of you are ordering. So I don't get, <laughs> so I don't get FOMO. Oh, I don't know. Um, I, I would probably just say be consistent that's no matter what you're doing you just got to be consistent if you, if you want results you want to kind of fulfill your dreams be consistent mine would be more like um just stop caring what other people think yeah so in my culture my mum said this to me the other day I'm 33 years old and my mum said this to me the other day about my fiance as well he was downstairs and I was upstairs and she went don't do that what would what would he think and I'm like he loves me he's my people <laughs> <laughs> and so in in Punjabi is like what will people it technically translates to um what will people say but in my culture I have been I've grown up with this phrase of what will people say what will people think that you are so obsessed with other people's opinion of you that you don't live your truth and I've seen it so much. I've seen it in my yeah. family. I've seen it with my friends. I've seen it in myself. So I would just be like, just stop caring what other people think and just do you, you know? And and I cared so much about what people thought of me that I stopped it from, you know, living my truth, whether it was posting on social media, whether, and, and, and that was one of the reasons when I was posting about uh, property, I remember thinking, oh, my cousins and my aunts and uncles, they're going to follow me and they're going to see this. And it's so funny, like the granddads in my family now who are like, you know, my parents age in their 60s, I'll, 60s and 70s, I'll see them at family events and they're following me on Facebook. <laughs> they're always oh, really amazing what you're doing. I was like, and I'll go, oh, thank you, like, Bobby, that's so nice. You know, and I was really afraid, like, 
I was really like afraid to share it because I thought, you know, you would think like it would, I thought people would think bad of me or, yeah. you know, and, I, th and it is, I think it's ingrained into, and it's, it's, it's definitely limited in beliefs that my parents had brought onto me um, where it's like, oh, stop talking, you know, stop shouting from the rooftops what you're doing, which is very different, like culturally to England society where it's like you tell people what you're doing especially in property like tell people tell people so so ashamed and embarrassed and really like had my parents limiting beliefs that I shouldn't tell people what I'm doing but actually when you do tell people they want to know more about it and they inquire and they're more inquisitive so I think my text would be like like if you just live your truth and just don't care what other people think when you're not when you're lying on your deathbed you know that is the thing that you'll regret um, yeah. And the other thing comes to time and money. Can I can I do two text messages? <laughs> yeah, we've got enough credit for two. <laughs> okay, cool. I've got, I've got enough. Okay, I've got some more pennies in the account. My other thing would be like focus on time, not money. Whenever like one of the things that I did in banking before I left, like I would talk to like the senior bankers and the senior traders be like, what what do you regret? And when you ask people what you regret at the end when they're so disillusioned with with like the job they'd go I regret the times when I spent in the office when I didn't go to my kids my daughter's play or I didn't come home early enough and then they start going home early when they're in their 50s you know just about when they're about to retire and they go like so what I made an extra my bonus was like 20 30k more but I missed out on the other things nobody regrets money everybody regrets time and this is this is coming back to like when you know people don't follow their truth and then they may mentor they're like running online courses and they're like you know selling a, a selling a piece of mentorship for a mastermind it's not your truth um and you're selling it because you're so obsessed with the money but if you forget that that's going to consume five ten years of your life and yeah. you might miss out on those amazing opportunities you might miss out on meeting your partner on having those kids you know and you'll be like 40 years old with no kids and like and just unhappy because maybe that's your truth and you wanted a family right um and people regret time more than they regret money and it's so funny like I had somebody um I had somebody the other day say to me and I have to share this story sorry um that's my text message but I have to share this story so um I'm saying sorry but <laughs> it's a good one I promise um I was helping my fiance move out of his flat and um the like someone had said um he'd like this guy had uh he's he's got a new job offer where he's doubling his salary and um which is amazing and he works in like finance and stuff and like you know for an energy company and he's like yeah but I'm gonna have no time and no weekends and, and I, I see how hard he's working now um and how much of his time and I did that right I was in banking I, I did that and I see how and how you can become a slave to the job a slave to the money and it's to money we become slaves to money everyone yeah. becomes slaves to money and I and I'd always I always ask people the question if you had your salary right now of what you're earning but you had the, and you didn't have to go to job your job what would you do you have your salary so it's not like you're earning 100 grand a year if your salary is 50 or you've got a million pound in the bank. No, you've got your salary, you've got, but you've got your time back. What are you doing with your time? And this is what I questioned a lot when I was leaving banking. And I was like, okay, I've got another secondary income. It's not my banking salary, but it's still something. What am I doing with my time? I'm definitely not doing banking. And when you ask like people that question, and so this guy went and he said to me, he went, I, um, yeah, but I'll probably earn more than you. This is what he said. And I went, nobody regrets money 
I went, talk to your grandparents, talk to your parents, talk to the senior traders at your desk and talk to anyone older than you. Ask them what they regret. Nobody will say to you they regret money. Everyone regrets time. They buy the money for the things, for the Rolexes, for the cars, for the scooters, you know, and I've done it for the iWatches. And, um, and it's, it's, this is not a dig at anyone. I promise you, it's not a dig at anybody. Like I've, I've done it and I've had the Louboutins and, the, and I've still got the Louboutins. Um, it's more like, if that's the thing that we value, we, it, it take, consumes the headspace of the things that we should really be valuing. And so he snapped at me and he just went, yeah, like, but I'll earn more than you. And I went, but I can spend 12 months. And I said this, I went, I can spend 12 months of the year traveling and doing whatever I want with my time. Yeah. You can't do that because I've set that up. And I was talking about investments and I was talking about, you know, index funds because I don't really know a lot about them. And um, I was talking about crypto because I don't really know a lot about them. But the little bit that I do know, um, and I was like, talk, and he was like, yeah, but you need a lot, a lot of money to invest. And I was like, mm, no, not really. You could just start small. Um, you know, and, and it comes to when I bought my first property, I started small. It starts with £10. It starts with £100. It starts with a grand, you know, and slowly, slowly you build up those habits that then you've got that pot so you can buy that half a million pound property. It doesn't start with half a million pound instantly, you know, as, as, as we know, it starts with those small habits. So I just thought that was really interesting how he snapped back and he was like, but I can earn more than you. And I was like, but I've got all in the world to do whatever I want. And you're a slave. So that's what I would be like, you know, it's, it's focus on the time, not the money. And when you focus on the money, you will take away from things. You'll take away from your truth, from finding that partner or living your truth and your passion, because you're so focused on the time and you become a slave to your mentees, to the online course, to the content. Someone makes a bad review. It really upsets you. Yeah, because you weren't, you weren't supposed to do that. It wasn't your truth. You know, you sold it in a way, you sold the dream in a way. Um, that somebody else couldn't learn with the way that you were delivering it. And I get that because my dad is super, super intelligent, could not teach me maths, you know, um, would always like, try to teach me maths and couldn't teach me it. I just couldn't get it. And, and I think oh, I'm stupid. I'm the dumb one. No, it was the way he taught me it. He just, it, yeah. it wasn't nice. and I say this to everyone when I'm like with my VAs, you know, I, sh you should be able to, if I haven't explained something to you and you haven't understood it, it's my fault. I need to explain it. I should be able to explain something well enough that you get it the first time. If you don't, it's my fault. So, and whereas I think like I grew up with this, like, again, limiting, it was probably a limiting belief that my parents projected onto me that I was stupid because I couldn't understand this maths thing because of, um, because of the, my inability to understand it in a way that it was being taught to me. And I think that happens a lot. You know, you get people that are super, super smart and super, super intelligent and super amazing what they're doing. They're trying to teach, but they're trying to teach in a way that they consume knowledge, not the way that other people need to learn. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's obviously the, the, the smarter you are, the more difficult it is to teach because you've got mm. your own set way of learning. It's difficult to explain it as a normal person. That's def definitely what I've found. Yeah, this is why I love what you do when you like break down your, you know, your little things that you, your little skits and your creativity <laughs> stuff and your Santa Taximus, uh, Father Taximus, I love it. Like you just break down something that's really complicated that a lot of people struggle with and you break it down in a really easy, fun way and you make it like easy to digest, you know, um, and that and that's why I like like look up to creatives and people like you, like you're the intelligent ones that I need to break it down for me. You know, when the budget happens, I want to consume the, the, <laughs> the data, the knowledge that you've consumed in a secondary way, because you'll explain it in a way that I understand. I'm not the teacher of that, you know? Um, so I follow a lot of property people who are amazing at that and that's their truth. And I, and I love it. I love consuming their, their knowledge and the way that they, they explain things. Um, so yeah, carry on doing what you're doing. <laughs>
Yeah, I'm really yeah, enjoying yeah, it. I definitely will do. No, no um, signs of stopping yet. Um, that's for sure. Um, but thank you very much for joining us today, Dorinda. It's been an absolute pleasure. For people who want to learn more about you on your social media, how can they get in touch? Yeah, I'm quite active on Instagram. So I'm, I'm Spot the Dave on Instagram. And that's probably like the best platform to catch me on, to be honest. I quite like, I reply quite a lot there myself. So um, yeah, that's the best one, Spot the Dave. Perfect. We'll put the link to that in the show notes. But thank you very much for joining us. So I hope you've enjoyed this week's show. If you have, please do leave us a review on your chosen podcast platform. And remember, we're just joshing. <laughs>